today we're concluding this series talking about God's house called Sunday in the South. I was raised in the deep South. Matter of fact, this past week I was back home in Arkansas. And if y'all don't believe it's deep South, y'all should have been where I was. Everybody, it's deep down there. You know what I'm talking about? They got to they pipe in sunshine. I'm talking about it's down there. Uh, and so I loved growing up in Sunday in the South. And this is the reason why. Because Easter season and, and in the South, Sunday's all about church. Amen, everybody? So the last couple of weeks, we've been just preaching about church and God's house and how important it is. The first week, we said this, that church ought to be a party. It ought to be the most exciting part of your week. People say all the time, man, is your church always this loud? And my, always, my response is no. Sometimes it's, it's louder. Like, sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it's more rowdy. Wait till Easter. It's going to get more rowdy than this. Like, I, I think church ought to be a party. I think church ought to be the most exciting part of our week. Amen, everybody? I think this ought to be the time you leave happy and not depressed. If you grew up in a church where, you know, you walked out heavier than you came, I think church ought to be full of life. It ought to be a party. You ought to walk out with your head held high and smiling a little bit and happy about coming to church. So we said that the first week. And then last week, we talked about bringing people to church. Now, if you, if you can't figure out what I'm doing here... Three weeks leading up to Easter, I'm preaching to you about bringing people to church with you. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you realize how important this house is so that when you get to church, uh, that's what uh, on Easter Sunday, you can bring people with you and lives can be transformed. So we're going to dive into that. Grab your Bible or copy of it. Let me pray for you and then we'll dump right in. Father, I thank you for uh, your word. I thank you that in this book are the words of life. I thank you that uh, nothing happens in my life that this doesn't have an answer for. I thank you that uh, there are so many people ready and willing. God, I open my heart. I open my spirit. And whatever you want me to hear today, however you want to change my heart, I'm ready for that. I'm going to leave here better than I came in Jesus' name. And everybody shout amen to that. Amen. So we talked about throwing a party and we talked about bringing people to church today. I'm so excited to preach about serving in God's house. This is probably, if you hang around City Hills very long, this is one of my most favorite things to preach about. Just getting in God's house and serving in God's house and how important it is. It's why I'm in a t-shirt today. It's why we have growth track today to sort of help you get plugged in right after this service to serving. And let me just sort of uh, just sort of set it up by asking you this question. How many of you have ever met uh, like a real bona fide celebrity? Would you raise your hands, everybody, if you met a celebrity? I'm not talking about like your spouse or I'm talking about like a real celebrity. You know what I'm talking about? I have met, I never forget the, the first time I can remember meeting a celebrity. Brandy and I were in California and we, that's back when we vacationed because we didn't have kids. And so we would, so we went to California and we went to Malibu. You're into Malibu? Don't don't waste your money. You can't, you can't get to the beach. There's all, these, all the rich people have houses right on the beach in Malibu. But there are state parks that you can sort of pay for entrance. And that's how you get down to the beach in Malibu. So we were young. And obviously, you know, my beach body, I'm kind of, I mean, I know you could tell, whatever, that I, you know, I'm a surfer whatnot. So we, um, we, that wasn't funny. We went down to the beach. They're in Malibu, and I'll never forget, it's kind, of, it's kind of a winding thing. You go down there. Some of you guys are from California. It's kind of a winding thing. Caleb, you know what I'm talking about? You kind of wind down into there, and you go over the sand dune, and there's the beach right there. And as soon as, we, as soon as we went over the beach, we realized there was hardly anybody there. Over to our right, there was a photo shoot. Now, guys, look at me. When there's a photo shoot on the beach, you're not supposed to go over there close to it, okay, everybody? My wife is like, you're going to need to look that way. So <laughs> I don't care what they're doing over there. You look over yonder. So, so we start walking this way, and we realize there's... Very few people here. Matter of fact, there's only a couple of families, and a couple of the dads are in the ocean and they have their kids 
doing uh, surfing lessons. And so there's like an instructor and a couple of dads and their kids are out there. And there's really nobody else on this beach except for this one blanket that's laid out. And there's, and there's a woman laying on uh, the blanket. They're sort of watching her family. Her kids are out there in this surfing lesson. So we, we can't figure it out. We, we start walking this way and there's nobody else on the beach. We start walking towards that. And Brandy looks at me. My wife, she looks at me. She goes, I think, don't look now. I think that's David Beckham in the ocean. And I'm like, Number one, how do you know what David Beckham looks like without a shirt on? Okay, help me with that. How can you recognize him from that far away with no shirt on? Do you know his tattoos? What are you doing right now? Like, and, and, but we keep, and she goes, I think, I think that's Gordon Ramsay. You know Gordon Ramsay, like the guy that cusses a lot on TV? <laughs> anyway, I, like I, that, I think that's Gordon Ramsay. I think their kids are out there in the service. I was like, oh my gosh, that's, 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 that's David Beckham. And there's, and there's you know, and I, whatever. I mean, I look like that with my shirt off. So I was like, no big deal. And we kept walking. And, and so we get right by this, you know, with a woman in the blanket. And literally, I'm just walking by and I accidentally kick sand on the blanket. And I was like, I am so sorry that I did that. And she looks up at me and she's like, oh, no problem at all. You're a jerk, whatever. No, no problem. We just keep walking. And Brandy, like, she grabs me and she goes, that's Victoria Beckham. And I was like, oh, my God. Just kick sand on Victoria Beckham. On a Spice Girl. I just kick sand on a Spice Girl, everybody. I will ne- and then, so then I'm like, I'm full stalker. I'm like, I got to get pictures. I don't care what, ha- I can go to prison today. I don't care. I'm getting pictures of this junk. So I, we were, we kind of, we, we kind of got close to them and we were like, Victoria was right there and the family and we were like, whatever, we're going to hang out right here. This is our favorite spot. And so we, <laughs> we kind of get down and we're, we're, we're snapping pictures. I was like, I'm selling this junk to TMZ. I'm trying to get some money out of this. And, and, and about that time, this big dude walks up behind us. True story. He's in, he's in all black. And he, he taps on the shoulder. He's like, hey, you know, this is, uh, it was security. And it was like, you know, they're with their family. If you guys could just give them some privacy. And I was like, dude, I'm with my family. I'm, I mean, I'm like, I'm kind of a big deal too, whatever. So my security guys, he couldn't get in. He's back yonder. But <laughs> I'll back up off me. What, I mean, whatever you want. That was my first time. And then and in New York City, I remember we, we, uh, I was in New York City, and we, we were eating at this little restaurant called Bubby's, and it's our favorite place to eat uh, breakfast in Tribeca in, in New York City. And we sat down at this table, and then this, uh, and it's super close, like super close. People are sitting beside you. And they set this other family down beside us, and they were cool and, and hip-looking. And, and Brandy, she always knows all the celebrities. I, 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 just, I basically know the Bible, and that's it. So I was like... I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. I knew who this girl was because Pink, you know who I'm talking about, the singer Pink? She comes in with her whole family. They just sit down right beside us. And the way I tell the story is we had breakfast with Pink. That's the way I like to tell everybody. She sat there the whole time. They were super cool. I, I, I never forget meeting a celebrity. Everybody wants to take a picture with a celebrity. Everybody wants to meet a celebrity. Here's the cool thing the Bible would tell you. Listen, when you come to church, when you start serving in God's house, the longer you're here, the more you realize that this book says that every person who's a part of God's family is an important part. Everybody's a celebrity. Say amen to that, everybody. There is no little person in God's family. There's no just average people here. Everybody is somebody special. Everybody's called to do something remarkable in God's kingdom. Let me, let me tell you that. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, if you have your Bibles, it says this, just as a body, even though it's one, has many parts, so it is that many parts form that one body, and it's that way with Christ. He said, just like your body has an arm and a hand and legs and a torso and a head and feet. He said, the same way your body is put together like that, so is the body of Christ. Verse 18 says, but in fact, God has 
placed. Would you underline that in your Bible? Or maybe if you're taking notes on your worship guide, would you write that down? God has placed the parts in the body. Let me say it this way. You are not here today by accident. But God places us in the body, every one of them, just as he wants them to be. And then skipping down a little bit further, verse 27. Now you, everybody say, that's me. That's, come on, 9 o'clock was more awake than that. Everybody say, that's me. that's me. Now you are the body of Christ. Listen. And every one of you, each one of you are a part of it. It said it's crazy to think about it this way. But everybody here is important to every other person here. That you and I have a role to play. I grew up in a church where I never, I never forget hearing a preacher say this. He used to say this all the time. If you don't, go, if you don't come to church here, if you, don't, if you don't want to do anything, if you don't want to serve, you don't want to serve God, you can just leave and God will send somebody else to fill your seat. Anybody ever went to a church like that? Good. Don't ever go back. <laughs> Listen, I grew up thinking, man, I guess that's what's true. If I leave, God will send somebody else. And here's the truth of the matter. Listen, God may send somebody to fill your seat. But there can never be another you in the body. God uniquely placed you to do what only you could do. To serve the role that only you could serve. And everybody else can't do what you can do. Everybody else doesn't know who you know. Or have the gifts or the talents or what it is that you offer. Everybody can't do what you can do. It's important that everybody plays their part. And I know you come to church like this and you think, man, this must be where everything, you know, this is, the, this is the people that put on this church. Listen, I'm very grateful for what happens in our worship team and our production team. Everything happens on this stage. But the bulk of what happens in this church doesn't happen on this stage. It happens out there with people that are coming on Friday night and loading in. You see everything around you? There are people who gave up their Friday night to be able to set this whole church up. And they don't think that they're working. They're just doing what God called them to do. They're just serving God's house. And then there were people here at 7 o'clock this morning. There are actually two seven o'clocks. There's one at night that all of y'all know about. And then there's another one in the morning. And y'all were all. And there were people here serving God's house, making coffee and donuts and, and setting everything up and rehearsing and taking care of your kids. Do you? I know what you think. I know when you drop your kids off, you know you got bad kids and you just you. You drop them off at kids' ministry. And you're like, get in there, you bad little thing. Don't, 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 I, don't, I don't care what happens. Unless the place is burning down, don't come get me. But there are people who serve your kids every week. They got here and, and they wear t-shirts and they, they, they change your babies. They love your babies. They teach them truth. Why is that? They, they help them park. I, well, I saw some of our parking team out there just loving people and waving and smiling. That's where our church starts. It doesn't start right here. It starts out there in the parking lot, everybody. Say amen to that. I saw Mark and other members of the team out serving and waving. And Why does that happen? Because everybody's got a part to play. And every part is important that you play. Say amen to that. Everybody's got something to do in the body. And everybody's part is important. Maybe it's helping people in. Maybe it's getting people in a seat. Maybe it's serving coffee or donuts. It's not just a job. No, no, no. This is what God designed me to do. And everybody here is important. Everybody here is a celebrity when you look at how God's church is supposed to work. Let me, let me give you, in the Bible, let me sort of help you understand how that is. Ephesians, the second chapter says this, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. Listen close. When you were born again, when you were recreated, you were created not just so you don't go to hell. You and I were created again, born again, so that we could do good 
works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, God knew when you would be saved. God knew how the gifts and the talents that He put inside of each of you, that only you can do, the things that God's called only you to do, the things that God's uniquely gifted you for, the the talents that you have, the way that you talk to people, the the gifts that you have, the, the gift of organization or administration or helping or serving or working with kids. God said, I prepared you for this thing. I always find it interesting when I meet people who say, man, pastor, I'd love to serve a church. I just don't know what I want to do. I really want to help. I just don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do in church. I don't know. I don't know. And then they, and then a year later, I come to them and go, hey, why aren't you serving? They go, I don't know. I just don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, the Bible says you were prepared in advance for this. In other words, you were born to do what it is God's called you to do. Let me preach to you right now. You know, you probably are sitting here and you know what God's created you to do. You know that you meet people well or you love kids. I don't know why. But anyway, you love kids and you, you, you were created to serve and, and to teach kids and you love babies. And maybe you were created to sing. And listen, if you were not created to sing, don't. Just don't. But some of you were, and you know that. And and the truth of the matter is it's in your heart right now. And every time I preach this way, you start, the Holy Spirit talks to your heart, and you go, man, I know what God's prepared for. I can meet people. I can welcome people in. I'm built for for setting all this up. Or or today, when he's done preaching, I'm going to stay and help tear down. I'm I'm built for that. I can do that. I can't do everything. You see what I did right there? That's you're welcome for that. I, I can. I, there's something I can do. I was made for this. Ephesians said I was prepared in advance for this. Galatians says it this way: that God, in His grace, chose me even before I was born. And He didn't just call me to not go to hell. He didn't just call me to just come to church. He didn't just call me to to be in the church and find a good church. He said, No, no, no. I've called you to serve me. Everybody here, under the sound of my voice, listen has a calling to serve God. You were born to do something more than just work nine to five or or just punch a clock or just turn wrenches or or just answer phones. That may be how you pay the bills, but that's not what you were called to do. God called you to serve Him and serve His house in a special way. And you're never going to live a fulfilled life until you find that thing, that purpose that God has for you and start living out that purpose. Amen, everybody? God did that just for you. Now let me let, let me kind of give you some example of this. I'm, I'm going to preach out of Mark today. And last week we were in John. Let me tell you a story about how I think this would play out in your life. Uh, it's found in Mark, the second chapter. Mark's a great gospel because he's super uh, detailed. Mark tells stories and details that nobody else tells uh, in the Bible. And so Mark, the second chapter, starts like this. A few days later, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Now, if, if you've been around church a while, you know that Jesus wasn't born in Capernaum. and He wasn't raised in Capernaum. He was raised in Nazareth, born in Bethlehem. But he had kind of adopted Capernaum as his hometown. And so they, everybody welcomed him. They loved when he came you know, home to Capernaum. And then they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. I like to say it this way. Jesus showed up at the 1045, everybody. <laughs> he didn't come to 9 o'clock in the morning. He was there at 1045. If it was Easter, he'd be there at 1230. He, just, he came to the biggest service there. There was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. 
I remember when we launched our church just over six months ago, we had no idea who would show up that day. We had prayed, Cindy, we'd prayed, and we'd, we'd sent out tens of thousands of invitations, literally tens of thousands. I think 60,000 homes got a personal invitation to our, uh, to our launch service, and then we'd passed out thousands. We'd met hundreds and hundreds of people. Of people, we'd invited tons of people. We didn't know who was going to show up that day. And I remember standing outside this this hallway here, and sort of looking out the window, and just saying, "Oh my God, what did I do? What did what did we do?" And we started this church, and then cars started coming. Some of you were there, and cars started showing up, and and people started coming in. And then the the more people came, then we started looking at each other and our team, going, "Oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? Like, how, how are we going to do this?" And I'll never forget, man, the place. If you can believe, it was it was more packed than this. We had chairs from wall to wall. We moved these walls back we moved people were sitting all the way out there people were standing everywhere people actually got in their cars and left we don't know how many people just couldn't even get in the parking lot and turned around there were hundreds of new people there that day let me just give you a little brief look at my eyes let me tell you something that's the way church ought to be amen everybody this ought to be the place where people can't wait to get here you know why because Jesus is here and, and, and everybody heard Jesus was at that house they said hey let's go there and so everybody filled the house and there was no room not even outside the door nobody could get there you couldn't find a seat people were everywhere babies were crying there was a line at the bathroom donkeys were parked all over the place nobody could find a seat and in my head church was rocking now I grew up in that old school church everybody I grew up where you wore a full suit and everybody had a handkerchief amen everybody everybody was sweating if you didn't sweat you didn't have church and we was, I think that's the kind of service this was. It was sweaty and hot. They had a choir in robes. Everybody was getting what did right here. I mean, we would, it, it was going. Come on. The place was jam-packed. Jesus was preaching lights out. It was dynamic. And nobody else could get in. Verse 3 says, some men came. Bringing a paralyzed man. Carried by four of them. So these four men had a friend who has been paralyzed we don't have any other history we don't know how long he had been paralyzed we don't know if he's born this way or if it was an accident that happened and maybe all of his friends were gathered around him but they knew this they knew that if Jesus was in that room if Jesus had come to Capernaum and he was in that room that if there was any hope for their friend to find healing it was going to be by bringing him to Jesus if you were to ask me if you have a problem with your vehicle. Now, the truth is, I would probably look at you like I'm very concerned. And I, you could tell me about how your car was making all kinds of noises. And I would go, oh, man, oh, yeah. With the, and the, th- with the oh, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. And then I would probably say something like, it's probably the flux capacitor. I don't know that, but I think that's what it is. I think it's a flux capacitor. But I would go to Lester's Automotive. That's where I would send you. I would, because I don't know the answer to your problem, but I know where you can find the person who can fix what's wrong with your car. Listen to me. Everybody you meet in your life, you don't have to have the answer to their problem. There's some people in your world who are broken and paralyzed. Their lives are broken. Their marriages are broken. Their hearts are broken. They're addicted and they're bound and they're messed up. And there's some coworkers and neighbors and family members that you have. And they're, whatever it is that happened to them, they're spiritually paralyzed. Listen to me. Over the course of the next seven days between now and Easter Sunday, when you go to invite them to church, you don't have to have all of the answers. All you have to know is where Jesus is. You just have to know if the best chance you've got to get your life together is if I can get you to where he is. Amen, everybody. 
So they said, I, I don't know what to do except to bring you to the place that I know that, that Jesus is because He's healing people. and He's the only answer that I know can fix you. And then, then the story continues. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, verse 4, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. That's an interesting line. By digging through it and then they lowered the mat that the man was lying on. These four men said, I know that it's crowded, but I've got to get to Jesus. And they did something creative. They did something crazy, even silly. It wasn't practical. They climbed on top of the roof. I wish I had somebody up there right now. I'd freak all of y'all out by lowering somebody out of this ceiling right now. And the church was packed. And here comes this man lowering down. These four men said, listen, I don't know what we've got to do, but we have got to make more room to get people to Jesus. Let me pause and tell you. That's why next week we have three services here. That's why we're always going to create more empty chairs so that more empty hearts can find Jesus. Amen, everybody. That's why we're creating space for you to bring your family and friends and co-workers next week. Because we think anything short of sin, anything we can do, to make room for people to meet Jesus. I know it seems silly. And there's some people who think that starting a church in an elementary school seems silly. Some of you grew up in a high church environment. and you, you know, big steeples and stained glass. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's great. But look, the truth of the matter is that sometimes you got to do something out of the ordinary to reach people that wouldn't come to church any other way. Like starting a church inside of a school. And six months ago, I, I won't forget how crazy it seemed. Why would you move to the hill country? You don't know anybody Brandy and I didn't know a soul. We knew each other and my two kids. And I wasn't even sure whether they were going to come to my church. I didn't, I didn't know anybody was going to come. And, and, and we didn't know anybody. And then, and then look what's happened. In the last six months, hundreds of people now call City Hills home. Why is that? Because we decided we'll do anything we possibly can. We'll sit in muddle folding chairs. We'll set up our church. It'll all live in trailers. We'll, we'll build our own walls and build our own stage. We'll tear the roof off of what whatever we have to, just so we can make room for more people. Say amen, everybody. That's worth clapping about. Come on, everybody. Yeah. And then just a couple of months after we started, we started our second service. You say, why'd you start another service? Because y'all wouldn't want no more people in this room right now. And all those people come to 9 o'clock, and, 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 and now this service is, is full and at capacity. That's why we started a third service on Easter Sunday. And y'all don't mess with me. If y'all keep coming, I'm going to keep this third service, everybody. We're, hey, we're just going to keep having more services and more opportunities because we need people to meet Jesus. It's the only hope I have to get them to a miracle. And these four men said, I don't know what we have to do, but let's do something out of the ordinary to get them to where Jesus is. These four men were full of faith. Now, here's what I think. I think that God used these four because they had something special that they could offer in this situation. I don't think this man would have met Jesus if he only had two of the four friends. I don't think one of them could have made this happen. But I think all four of them working together, doing what only they could do, Brought them to Jesus. I don't know. The story doesn't tell us. But in my imagination. I kind of think it's this way. I think one of the men was super strong. And he said. Hey I can pick him up. I can put him on my back. I can climb up on the roof. And they said. That's it. You're, you're the one. Mark you're doing that. I'm not doing that. Eric you're the one picking up somebody and putting them on the roof. And the other guy said, hey, I'm a carpenter. I build houses just like this. I know how we can cut a hole in the roof so we don't make the whole roof collapse. So that we, we'll cut around the rafters. Am I saying that right? We'll cut around the, we'll cut 
around the rafters or done. I don't know what we'll do. But well, he said, I know about that. You do what you can do and then I'll do what I can do. And then there was another man who said, hey, listen, I have a ladder. I've got some tools. I've got some resources. I can help. I'll help make. And then another man said, hey, I'm I'm full of faith. I just believe God can do anything. I'll, I'll be there when he meets Jesus. Here's what I want you to know. All four of them had a part to play in this man finding healing and a miracle in Jesus. Whatever it was that they could do, they decided, I have to do something. I can't just sit here. I can't just, I, I, I can't just let my friend not meet the only person I know who can work a miracle in his life. There's some people in your life. This week, you and I have the unique opportunity. At Easter season, you know, studies say that 70, more than 75% of people who are invited to an Easter service will say yes, just because it's Easter. Just because everybody goes to church on Easter. There's some co-workers that you work with that you think, man, that, that I don't know that any other time they would come to church, but they may come this time. There's some family who you've been praying for for decades. This is the right week to invite them to church. Just saying, I don't know what I can do, but I think I can do something. I, I, I don't know if this will work, but I just know this. If you're broken, if you're paralyzed, there's only one place that you can go. And so they ripped the roof off and they, and they lowered him down. And verse 5 says this in Mark 2. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now look at me in the eyes. Next week, there are going to be hundreds of people here for the first time. And I believe many of your friends and your co-workers and your neighbors and your family are going to raise their hand for the very first time and say yes to Jesus the very first thing Jesus does when He meets broken people is He saves them. He forgives their sins. That's the most important thing about getting your friends to church. That's the most important thing about getting people to Jesus is so He can deal with their eternities. Amen, everybody? But what I love about this is He didn't just stop at, okay, buddy, you're not going to hell. Now get out of here. You're still paralyzed. He said, no, no, no. Now your sins are forgiven. Verse 10, so He said to the man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. And he got up, and he took his mat, and he walked out, listen, to I love this, in full view of all of them. So this amazed everyone that was there. And they praised God, and they said, we have never seen anything like this. Let me tell you what to change your family more than anything, is when God changes somebody's life in your family. Let me tell you what to change your office when, there, when God performs a miracle in somebody's life. When somebody comes to Easter and gives a heart to Jesus. And He doesn't just change their heart. He changes everything about them. I'll never forget the story when I prayed for somebody that God would heal them of cancer. And I know that sounds crazy to you and maybe you don't believe in all of that. But let me tell you something. I believe God can do anything. Amen, everybody? And I prayed for her. And I, I, it had been a terrible, bleak thing. It really was. It was not the most promising thing. And I will never forget what happens. We did very simple, nothing flashy. We just anointed her with oil and prayed the prayer of faith that God would heal her of cancer. It was just a couple of weeks later. She comes walking in. She wasn't in a wheelchair anymore. Her name was Selma. She comes walking in. And I'll never forget the look on her face. Because there were family members with her. It's amazing what happens when God heals somebody in your family. How God will open somebody's eyes and go, Man, if He can do that, He can do anything. If He can heal cancer, surely He can fix my marriage. If He can, if he can save them, He can save me. If they're not addicted anymore, I bet He could heal me and touch my life. 
God did just that. And that's what happened in this story. This man gets up off of his bed. And these four friends were responsible. Listen, they were directly responsible for his miracle. Let me ask you something. Who's counting on you to bring them to Jesus? Who's counting on your gift and your talent and you serving, you playing your part, doing what only you can do to bring them to Jesus? Who, who, who is it in your life that's broken, that's paralyzed, that needs somebody to selfishly say, I'll put on a shirt, I can make coffee, I can't sing, so I'm not going to, but I can make coffee, I love babies, I love kids, I, I, I love to serve, I love to welcome people, I can tear this place down, I can help set this place up, I'm technically, I'm in IT, I can serve in production or, 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 or on the team, there's something I can do, there's a part I can play, I was made to serve, I was born to serve. More than just attending. Amen, everybody? Let me give you three reasons why and I'll let you go. Let me give you three reasons why I think you need to start serving in God's house. Give me three reasons why today, if I were you, I'd stay for growth track. I'd just say, man, put me on the team. Sign me in. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to start serving. Here's the first reason why that I think you ought to serve. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It will create joy in your life. It'll create joy in your life. When I meet Christians who are sad all the time, do you know any Christians like that? Don't point at nobody in here. If you, if you ever met, when I meet somebody and they're just drooping, I say, how's it going? They say, oh, pastor, it's okay. It's terrible, actually. Be honest with you. I don't even like nothing. I don't like this church. I don't like... I had somebody... It's a true story. I hope you're not here today. But we... We, we, we mailed out a, a, an invitation to Easter. Some of you may have got that. We mailed that to 25,000 homes in our area for people to come to Easter service. And somebody called, somebody called the church and, and, and they were mad. And they were like, I don't even like your church. I came there one time and I don't like it. It's too loud. I said, honey, you're not going to like Easter. You don't need to. You need to go somewhere else. You hear me? You need to find you another church. Because this church is loud and rowdy because it's a party. We think it ought to be the most exciting part of our week. I don't know this because I didn't ask her, but I'm almost positive she doesn't serve anywhere. <laughs> because when you serve, it brings joy to your life. I, I, I think about Liz Rodriguez. You may not know her. She serves on our dream team. She's been a part of our church since the very beginning. She came to me just a couple of weeks after we started our church. She said, Pastor, who's taking care of the bathrooms? I said, excuse me? She said, who's taking care of the bathrooms here? I said, well, the custodial staff, you know, they do. And she said, well, they smell terrible. I said, you're right. They smell like a the bottom of a hamster cage. They smell terrible. It's absolutely awful. They smell like little boys, everybody. This is an elementary school. Don't make me have to spell it out for you. Little boys, potty training, bathrooms. She says, I want to create an environment where people have a great experience. I want to create an environment. I know it seems small. So before you got up this morning, Liz Rodriguez was here with gloves on cleaning those bathrooms for you. Putting in something that smelled good. Putting mints in there. Everybody, there's body spray. If you didn't shower, get up in there, get up in that. You know what I'm saying? A little tic-tac, a little something, okay? That's for you. I'm helping you. That's somebody on this team. Now, here's what's so great about that. The thing that's crazy, about, it's not crazy that she does it. I'll tell you what's crazy is every time she walks out of the bathroom with, with gloves on and, and little boys, elementary age bath, the, the very first thing she does is smile from ear to ear. You know why? Because you get joy when you start living in your purpose. When you start realizing, this is not for me anyway. I get to create an environment so people can meet Jesus. Amen, everybody. It gives you joy in your life. If you're not fulfilled and living a happy life serving God, it could be because you're not serving 
Right. Let me, let me skip down a little bit further. The second reason why is it will improve your relationships. Your relationships will get better when you start serving other people. Romans, the 14th chapter, says this, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is not only pleasing to God, but they will receive human approval. Proverbs says it better. I like this. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. Let me tell you how to get your mind off of your problems. It's when you start helping somebody else get their mind off of theirs. When you come to church and start saying, hey, this isn't about me taking. This is about me making room so somebody else can have the chance to meet Jesus. I'll do whatever I can. I don't have a lot of tools, but I have enough to rip a hole in the roof. I can't heal you, but I can bring you to Jesus. I can create an environment and your relationships get better. Hey, listen, I know this about your marriage. When I sit down with married couples, the first, I ask two questions. The first one is this. Do you give and do you serve? And if you're not giving and you're not serving, then your relationship is going to struggle. I promise you, it's just, it's just going to happen. I have counseled countless couples who, if they're not serving in God's house together, it's just struggling. There's just something that happens when you put on a t-shirt together and start serving beside one another. If you're single in the house today, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to look for somebody wearing a lanyard and somebody with a Dream Team shirt on today. You need to be like, girl, I see you over there with them donuts. What you doing, girl? Come here. How long you been here with them donuts, girl? Let me, let me help you with this. You say, that sounds crazy. It sounds crazy till you realize these are the people, the people who serve God's house. These are the people who love God more than anything else. I'm telling you, they're going to make better spouses because they're serving in God's house. Amen, everybody? It improves my relationship. Come on, musicians, help me. So I'll quit preaching. Here's the last reason why. It's because it makes your life more meaningful. The reason why I think you need to be at Growth Track today. We've got everything that you need. We'll keep your kids. We'll serve you lunch. You can get on the team today. Listen, next week there are three services. You know what that means? We need three times as many people to serve. We need people to jump on the team. You say, well, don't you have a long waiting period? No, 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 we don't have a long. No, no, you can jump on today. You can get on the team today. You say, well, that's crazy. Here's the reason why. Because I think you already know what God's called you to do. I just want you to, I want to help you discover that. I want to sort of uncover all of that church stuff, all of that religious stuff all for you. And I want you to find a meaningful life. I want you to find a life that has meaning in it. Listen, money can open doors for you, but you will not find meaning in that. If you try to serve God by giving your very best Monday through Friday, and I think you ought to. I think God's people ought to give their very best at work. I think you ought to serve well at work. I think you ought to show up early and stay late. I think you ought to give give your heart and soul. The Bible says you need to work like you're working unto the Lord. I think you need to do that. But at the end of the day, when you get that paycheck on Friday, and you open it up, and you realize how many taxes you pay, and you look at it, you think, oh my God, I don't even like working. What am I doing right now? I hate this job. Here's the reason why. Because what's on that check will not give you meaning. It just won't. You, you, you can, you, it may be something that pays the bills. You can do that. You can have a career. I want you to. I want you to be happy in it. But at the end of the day, money doesn't make life meaningful. At the end of the day, cars and houses and boats and stuff and vacations, that doesn't make life. Here's what Mark says. It says if you try to hang on to your life, you end up losing it. I've met a few people this way. But if you give up your life for my sake and the sake of the gospel or the good news, then you will save it. It happens almost every time it's tried. 
The people who decide to dig in and put down roots and say, this is God's house and I get to play my part. It's, it's amazing what happens. Their life becomes more meaningful. That's why I tell you this all the time. Psalms 92. This is probably one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. It says this, that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. It's amazing what will happen to your life when you decide to get planted in the house. I told the story in first service. There's a member of our dream team named Oscar and Karina Flores. These are great people. They've been here since we started our church. They serve like crazy on load in, load out, and coffee bar, and production team. They just they serve all over the place. I promise you, you've seen their, their fingerprints all over. They're serving today. And I remember when Oscar and Karina started coming to our interest meetings and started coming to our church, they really didn't understand completely what was happening. But the longer that it was that they got in church and the more that God changed it, we baptized Oscar. And when, when things started changing in their lives, it almost instantaneously, things started changing in the rest of their life. Oscar owns a business and he would come to me and say, Pastor, you never believe it. I got this contract this week and then this contract and then I got a phone call from D.C. Then I got this contract and this is more than it has. I've never signed a deal this big. This is an amazing thing. And Karina, she's a Mexican national and she was trying for years to get her immigration to go through and it was just so hard. It was so tedious. She, she, She got planted here in the house. Now you can call it coincidence if you want to, but what took years of work about three weeks ago, they just called an overnight Everything went through. You say, well, that sounds crazy. That just happened out of coincidence. No, no, no. I think what happens is when you get planted in the house, then everything in your life starts flourishing. Everything that you touch starts flourishing. Everything around you starts flourishing. Why don't you stand to your feet and take somebody by the hand that you came to church with today. Let me pray that God would talk to your heart. Here's what I'm going to pray. Come on, take somebody by the hand. Here's what I'm going to pray for you. The first thing I'm going to pray is that God would tell you what part that you can play. Everybody here has a part to play. And if you're new to City Hills and this is your first time here, I'm so glad that you're here. But I don't apologize for preaching this way because I, I don't want something from you. Listen, we're not trying to build an army of workers here. I want something for you. I want you to live a meaningful life. I want you to live a fulfilled life. I don't want you to be a frustrated Christian. I want you to find joy and meaning. And the best way I know to do that is to Create a space where broken people can be lowered in and find a miracle that they couldn't find any other way. That's what Easter is. That's what this next seven days is all about. So I want you to bow your heads and let me pray that God would talk to your heart. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here. I thank you for an incredible day today in God's house. And God, there are hundreds of people in this room, many of which need to say yes. They've been coming and kind of kicking the tires and trying to fill it out. It's just, there's no joy. There's no meaning. It just seems like they're going through the motions. Work, school, home, work, school, home. Because they were created for something more. They were created to serve God's house and God's purpose. We were created to get a front row seat to a miracle. Father, I pray for dozens of people in this room today that you'll talk to their hearts. Many of them may stay at growth track today and say, put me in. I'm ready to join. I'm ready to get on the team. I'm ready to start making a difference. God, talk to our hearts and tell me what you want me to do, how you'd have me to serve. God, I'm ready to sort of put all the chips in across the table. I'm ready to go all in and serve your house. Father, I pray for every person here and every invitation over the next seven days. God, over the next seven days, we're going to have a remarkable opportunity, literally, for some of us, a once-in-a-lifetime chance to get a front-row seat to a miracle. 
I pray that people would invite and bring their friends and co-workers and neighbors. God, next week is a great opportunity for them to meet the only person who can fix their brokenness, who can really save their life, who can really raise them up what seems to be an impossible situation. I pray for that. I pray you'd put us in those right conversations, those right scenarios, and those right rooms. And God, just, just that right thing would happen when the invitation's given that somebody would say yes. And we'd fill the house, all three services to capacity. God, we'll make more room. We'll do things creative. We'll do the best we can to present the gospel next week so people have a chance to meet their miracle. In Jesus' name, everybody shout amen. 